Center for Parent Youth Understanding and the CPYU Podcast Network, you're listening to The Word in Youth Ministry, a podcast by youth workers for youth workers, where we give insights, strategies, and helps for effectively teaching God's Word to our students. Here we are on episode 43 of the Word in Youth Ministry. My name is Kyle. I'm a youth pastor in Canfield, Ohio, and I'm here as usual with my friends Linda and Matt. And for those who are regular listeners, several episodes ago, I forget which episode it was, we talked about the World Cup and Matt made a prediction that France was going to win the World Cup. And Matt, how are you? We're in the semifinals right now as we are recording. How are you feeling about that? We are getting closer and closer to that prediction coming true. I'm, I, uh, you know, I'm a little sad. I actually would have preferred England to beat France last week. Fair um, enough. But, uh, but yeah, I, that, that's a strong team and it's looking better and better. Though I do have to say it would be really nice for Messi, who really is one of the best players who's ever played the game to get a World Cup under his belt. So I, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for Argentina, but I still think France is probably going to win it all. I was just standing outside uh, outside in the hallway here by our next office, and I made the same comment that it would be great if Messi could have a World Cup championship. Linda, have you taken in any of the World Cup so far? Not at all. Uh-huh. None of it have I watched. I don't watch sports. The only sport I participate in is dragon boating. Yes. And so on one of these episodes, we're going to we're going to learn about uh, the World Cup of dragon boating, and it's going to be awesome. But I just want to remind our listeners, although soccer is hated much in America, it is the world sport. It is the world sport, and uh, we should celebrate that. But we're not here to talk about sports today. Uh, We're here to talk about a more important topic as we're here in the word in youth ministry thinking about how to teach the Bible, effective strategies to teach the Bible to our students. And we have a guest today who has a lot of experience teaching the Bible to college-age students. And I'm excited particularly for this episode because uh, the students that um, we're ministering to, as you, our listeners, are ministering to high school, middle school, even children's ministry, these students grow up. And um, many of them at some point in life are going to spend time on a college campus. And that's why I'm excited about our guest today to kind of learn how we can be thinking about playing the long game with our students. So, Linda, can you introduce our guest? And then um, Matt will ask the first question. Sure. So uh, we've got Brian Sorgenfry with us today. I was introduced to him several years ago when um, someone I was working with uh, brought him on to be a retreat speaker for us. And we loved him so much that we brought him on again a few years later for another retreat. Um, He has, uh, I don't even know how many years experience with RUF, but did it for quite a bit. You can... 13. Okay, there we go. Um, and I believe it was old, uh, wait, Mississippi State first and then Ole Miss. Is that the right? Yeah. And now you've transitioned to being a pastor at Christ Pres in Oxford, Mississippi. Um, I've always loved the way that he teaches students. Um, he's taught at several RYM camps through the years. Um, just really excited to get to talk to you about, um, teaching the Bible to students today. Yeah, Brian, welcome on the podcast. I and I personally um just thankful for your for your preaching ministry as well. Our kids loved it when you taught at RYM Colorado. And I also love, do you still finish every sermon with that's an invitation? Do you say that? Uh my students make fun of me, but yes. Uh, I, I love it. Part, so. I love it. It's cool. Well, well, hey man, I uh, our our first question for you is this. You you see college students come through, I've seen them for a long time. 
what are some of the uh, trends that you have seen in these young adults uh, as they come through? And then how um, do you think, two-parter, how do you think a youth worker might do a good job of pushing back against some of these uh, negative trends and reinforcing the good ones um, with, uh, with the scriptures? Yeah. Uh, first, I'm, I'm honored to be uh, on here. This is, this is fun. Uh, I don't know how y'all found me, but I'm glad to be here. So, uh, yeah, trends. I mean, I, I don't know if that's like a big cultural trend uh, question or what. Um, it is good to know that, I, you know, I've been a campus minister. What I still speak of as if I used to be one. Uh, and there's no way around it. Like I'm in the deep South. I mean, I was in Mississippi. So, I, you know, I'm sure there's a cultural component there that isn't true if you're talking to a youth worker in California or something like that. But, um, uh, but you know, I, I would say some of the trends culturally is there, there is a lot more, and I, I think there's good and bad with these, with, with each of these. There is a, um, there's a lot more of, of a compassion and heart for the marginalized uh, and kind of people on uh, the outside, you know, and people getting hurt, uh, much more so than when I was in college. Uh, and that, that can be LGBTQ community, that can be transgender community, that can be race. Uh, and I think that's actually one of the good things that our youth bring to the table is they have eyes for people that, uh, uh, that we miss. Um, I, I think a negative part of that, though, is there seems to be kind of a growing inability to, uh, how would you say, to know how to have real friendship with people that are different than you and that disagree with you. Um, and, and I don't know, just kind of what that looks like to, to, to know who I am and know, and know who somebody else is and have it, have a actual good friendship, uh, in a way that uh, could actually be life-giving, but we actually be different. Um, yeah, I don't know where all that comes from. Um, but again, I don't think this is all bad, but there's just a lot more, even in my last few years in ministry, there were a lot more language about, uh, you know, triggers and uh, uh, kind of, you know, you can't say that or, and again, I, I, I'm not one that throws all that out as bad, but uh, it's, it's just an interesting dynamic that I think is coming uh, behind this. Um, I would say, I don't know if this is a growing trend, uh, but I think this has always been the case that most, um, again, I think this fits with what scripture kind of says, but I think most students entering, uh, college, they don't really, they don't really know how to form community very well. Uh, and uh, so I found more and more loneliness on the college campus my last three or four years than I felt like I did at the beginning. And what, you know, what of that's COVID, what, what of that is kind of just dynamics of the person, but like, yeah, how, like, how do I really make a friend? <laughs> how do I be a friend and how do I form a community? Because it's, it's such a shaping thing in college. I mean, I feel like I always watch like the students who are graduating in healthy places always seem to have a group of friends that they really loved and that loved, loved them and in some sense walked towards Jesus together, um, had some sense of awareness of how do I live in the real world. Um, and 
had a sense of kind of like, what does real conversion mean? Like, what is it, what does it mean that I'm following Jesus? And, you know, as always like gospel community, uh, and, and, and the world. And it seems that the trend was, uh, yeah, community and how to really connect deeply was, uh, I don't know, it, it was becoming less and less. So, Wow. Yeah, that's so interesting. I feel like I'm seeing that with students too. So that's cool to hear that. Hmm. Well, I don't, cool is not the word. Interesting to hear that you're seeing it um, college campuses too. Um, okay. So I'm going to shift us to kind of talking about teaching and I'll start general and then I might have some more specific things to ask later, but just start by talking generally about your approach to teaching. Like how did you come up with your approach to how you write lessons? Yeah. Um you know, what are some main things you're trying to accomplish in a lesson with students? Okay. Uh, how did I come up with my approach? Uh, <laughs> so I'm telling you, I, this is going to be disappointing. I, <laughs> I, like, I really don't know. I mean, like, uh, I remember being greatly encouraged one time, like four or five years into camp semester, but I think I heard Tim Keller say, like, you don't even find your own voice until you preach over 200 sermons. And I was like, thank goodness. Uh, because... <laughs> I always felt like what I was trying to do, and I had, a, I had a kind of mentor tell me this, he's like, hey, when you go to seminary, find like three people that you love how they preach and listen to them all the time. Um, and I, I think that probably became pretty formative to me uh, of just listening. I mean, you know, I mean, when I'm with Tim Keller and people like that, just again and again, repetition, hearing the ways that somebody taught the scripture and applied it to the heart and applied to my own heart. And I, I guess somewhere in there, I found my own voice. Um, but, uh, but my approach is pretty general that like, I'm convinced that uh, what everybody needs really is Jesus. Uh, and every single person uh, sitting in the pew or the chair is is an individual who is both a sinner and has been sinned against. Uh, and Jesus will meet them in that. Uh, and he has revealed himself through his word. And so uh, I just, I don't know, I kind of start there. And that at the end of the day, the, Jesus really is good news. Um, uh, and if he is good news, he is what we are longing for, whether we know it or not. Um, and so that's kind of like, so every person's individual, they've been sinned against and sinned. <laughs> Jesus is ultimately what they need and, see, and he has revealed to us in his word. And so that's kind of where I start. Um, Brian, I was curious. I think that's so helpful because as we think about those who are listening to this podcast and, you know, uh, just thinking of them being in their youth room with some of them, five students in front of them, some of them, 50 students in front of them, right? Just teaching the Bible, knowing that everyone um, needs Jesus, um, one thing that as we think about teaching and what that looks like to teach the Bible to students is how have you found you spent a lot of time on a college campus where we talked, you also have taught, you know, at RYM at, at high school camps, like how have you found how to teach the Bible at age appropriate levels to students? Hmm. Uh, yeah, so some of it is, I, I think, um, okay, so me and my friend Les Newsom talk about this a lot. I mean, what is a teaching or sermon? It's ultimately, I think, you're asking questions of a text 
and you're letting the text answer those questions. Yeah. Right. So everybody, everybody says, well, I just want to teach the Bible. Of course we should. But what are the questions that, 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 that you're asking that text to answer? You can actually ask the text really bad questions, I think. <laughs> uh, and so a lot of times people say, well, I'm just going to preach the Bible. And they say they're not asking questions. They actually are. They're just answering questions that a commentary asks or that a seminary professor asks. That's not bad. And actually, you need to know those things, like what's the meaning of this word and all that kind of stuff. A lot of people say, well, I'm preaching the Bible, and they're just kind of preaching a commentary, and that is answering questions that a commentary answers, which is not the questions that college students are asking, and it's probably not the question that an eighth grader is asking, and so um, I always said that my, my best application came from uh, knowing my students really well, and that's where, I, I mean, Jesus... Jesus saves us not by, um, you know, throwing a word like forgiveness down to us. He saves us by taking on flesh and coming to be with us and be becoming like us and getting so near us that we're united to him. And so even teaching, I think, has to be incarnational, big word to where I, like I, I have to be in the world to some extent of my college students to know the questions that they're asking. Uh, and can I, can I ask some of the same questions and let scripture answer those. I don't know if that's what you're, what you're yeah. asking. Okay. I think that's helpful because I think a lot of times, especially for those of us who might feel like we haven't um, had the amount of training that might be helpful or maybe most useful, that sometimes we can feel a weight that when we're teaching something, we don't know enough. But what you're, I hear you saying is the Bible obviously knows the right answers. We just need to be asking the right questions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And um, yeah, and you know, I, we can all be guilty of trying to make the Bible say something that it doesn't, but asking good questions of the Bible. I, I remember being, this is totally awesome. I remember being really nervous as kind of a, a Christian in high school and college, never quite sure if I really was a Christian because I could always thought I could be better or do better and all that kind of stuff. And actually being nervous to ask real questions because I was nervous that at the end of a question, I might find that Jesus actually isn't true or isn't real or isn't good. And at some point, and I think it was through RUF here, someone challenged me and, and pre-meant that like, hey, Jesus is not scared of your questions. Jesus is not scared that you're going to discover that he's not real or that he's not good. So ask him. Um, and yeah, because scripture is god's word it comes with his authority with his power uh and I, this is this is stolen from somebody else but uh, i can't remember what preacher but basically you know if somebody came at me with a knife and tried to stab me and i said oh i don't believe in knives and they stabbed me with that knife my lack of belief in the reality and power of the knife doesn't dictate its power it still goes in and god's word is it is his power uh, and so if you open it and you ask questions, you teach it like other people are not making it powerful. God is. So, yeah. So one of the things you were saying is that, um, you know, your, your teaching style is influenced by the fact that, um, that Jesus really is like good news. 
Right. And I think that's one of the things I've noticed in listening to you teach through the years. Um, there's like a handful of times that I like, you know, found the podcast of your RUF sermons and whatnot, is that um, I think this is what I told the others when I suggested you come on this podcast is you teach in a way that makes the faith sound so compelling. Um, and it's like, you're, you're inviting students to consider like, Hey, like, what if this were true? Like, wouldn't that be so wonderful? Hmm. Um, so yeah, I wonder if you can speak to like, how do you discover in like every text, like what it is that is so good and compelling? Cause sometimes we come across like texts that might seem boring or confusing or, you know, like, here's a rule that we don't want to follow. How do we do that? Yeah. Well, that's, hey, Linda, that's really encouraging to hear. Thanks for saying that. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it, I think that's where it can take some hard work. And I'm not, of course, they're like really sobering and hard texts that we need to do. Uh, and at the, at the end of the day, like a, the Spirit's work in us enables us to see Jesus and love him. Uh, and who he is, like, he is life itself. Uh, mm. He is he is truth itself. Uh, and following him, if we believe what Jesus says, really is the good life. Um, and so often, um, I myself sometimes think this way, but especially when I was in youth and college, I, like, thought of God's rules as, like, fences around amusement parks. You know, like, he was just trying to, like, test me and keep me out of the fun. But as, as you start seeing Jesus character, I was like, man, there are fences around death traps. Like he really loves us. Um, and that is his character. It's unchanging. And so even in difficult texts, I try to ask, well, what is it about Jesus character and what he's calling me to? It actually really is good. Uh, that somehow must be better than other things that I'm trying to live for. Uh, cause Personally, for me, it's the only thing that is um, compels me over the long run to actually change. Kind of guilt manipulation or even fear of consequences will they'll change me for the short run, but then I always just go back. Um, so, you know, yeah. I don't know if that's I, answering the question. Yeah, I think that's helpful for our listeners because uh, – if we if we want to teach the Bible, especially to high school and middle school students, if we're not teaching it in a compelling way, right, we're we're doing ourselves a disservice to the students because we're taking the word of God, which is pure and mighty and is able to save them, and we're teaching it in a way that might even um turn them away from that. So this has been a helpful conversation so far. We're gonna take a quick break here on episode 43, and then we're gonna come back and talk more about how to teach the Bible to students, um, keeping in view that one day they're gonna find themselves on a college campus or a trade school or whatever job they find themselves in teaching now with a long view in mind. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back here on episode 43. Youth workers here at CPYU, we're excited to announce a brand new youth worker training opportunity taking place in Ligonier, Pennsylvania from March 6th to 9th of 2023. I want to invite you and your team to join us at the Northeast Youth Ministry Summit for four days of practical, hope-filled, and encouraging training and community building, all focused on this year's theme, Biblical Hope for Anxious Hearts. 
The Northeast Youth Ministry Summit is a joint effort of CPYU and Reformed Youth Ministries. You'll learn from Julie Lowe, Duffy Robbins, Doug Franklin, Janie Kwan, Ashley Belknap, myself, and your hosts here on the Word in Youth Ministry, Linda Oliver and Kyle Hoffsmith, along with a host of other youth ministry trainers through our large group sessions and 28 different breakouts. We hope you'll join us at the Northeast Youth Ministry Summit, Biblical Hope for Anxious Hearts, March 6-9 to at the Ligonier Camp and Conference Center here in Pennsylvania. To learn more and to register, visit nymsummit.org. Welcome back to episode 43 of the Word in Youth Ministry podcast. We've got Brian Sorgenfry on. We're so excited, Brian, to have you. And, and I'm just uh, chewing still on your uh, that great illustration about having uh, believing that the law is a fence around an amusement park when, when really it's a fence around a death trap. That's so beautiful. So I think we you would encourage all of our youth leaders listening to this to, to steal that uh, illustration and run with it, I'm guessing. I stole it from Ricky Jones. So there you go. Great. So, Brian, if you could. Uh, say anything to youth leaders who are listening to this podcast, what would you like to encourage them with today? Uh, first, I'd say two things. First, I'd say massive encouragement in this. Uh, it's funny, uh, being a longtime REF campus minister, uh, I think we got to witness a lot of the fruit mm-hmm. that youth ministers never did and youth workers uh, because because you were pouring in in just ordinary ways over five or six years. And what, you know, I don't know whether it's a maturity thing or development of brain or the, or as the Holy spirit works, there were just a lot of things. I, I, I just, there were a lot of freshmen, sophomores that, that like the lights would come on and they'd be like, I've never heard this before. And that's a lie. They've heard it before. Uh, but just the faithful kind of teaching and loving actually sowed seeds and it, and it came about. So I would just encourage you that uh, I don't, I think a lot of youth workers don't get to see the fruit. Um, and I think that's hard. Um, secondly, I think I would say, um, and I, I'm admitting, I don't know what to do with this, but I think this is one thing that happens in campus ministry is for the first time, a lot of times these children are now out from underneath their parents or parent house in a, in a kind of real way. And so they're starting to think for themselves. And then they sit down with an, another adult, a campus manager, somebody, and there, there's this relationship where they are heard. It's not antagonistic. It welcomes questions. And I'm not saying that that never happens, but, but a dynamic gets explored too, that about relationship with parents. And I don't know the formula. I'll say this. I know a long time ago in Aria, even before I was there, there was just this kind of survey about, hey, think about four or five students in your uh, ministry that embraced kind of the values and the faith of their parents and and what was a, like, what was a common thread. And again, it is no formula. It was really interesting. What came out of that was not it, there was nothing about private school versus public school. There was nothing about, you know, all these other things. One of the main things was that they felt like they had, a, those students had a real living, good relationship with their parents or parent. And usually what that meant was, is that there was a relationship that had been nurtured. They, they trusted their parents. They felt like they could go to their parents with, with anything. And it wasn't antagonistic. Um, that, I don't know that, 
that 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 child was not an it was a subject, not an object, right? An object is something that we move around and we manipulate. A subject is something that you study and you learn and you delight in. Um, and I don't know how you, I'm admitting, I don't know how you navigate that as youth workers, because there's always a dynamic where they're under their parents' house and you're working with that. But that's what I would want to explore is, um, you know, what is a healthy, good relationship with uh, a with a child and a parent, like, yeah, you know, what does that look like? Or basically the child who's convinced that my parents are in my world, they're for me. I can come to them with anything. I can process things. Yes, there are boundaries and things like that. I, they just more and more seem to adopt. It's not a guarantee, but they adopted the faith of their parents. So. Okay. I- let me connect that with something you said earlier on. So earlier you were talking about the kind of increasing difficulty students are having with forming community and real friendships. Do you see connections between the the parent relationship dynamic and that sort of loneliness? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, probably so in some ways. I've not, I've not, I've not connected those dots. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would probably there's a connection. I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, that's interesting. I don't know, Linda. Yeah, I would just wonder if like, you know, part of our work in youth ministry, um, you know, can be helping uh, partner with parents to create like a good non-antagonistic relationship between them and their student and also working with students just to help them, you know, to not be so secluded. You know, I I just, there are a lot of ways I'm seeing increased isolation in some of our students. And I think like off the top of my head, I can see some correlations between the sort of relationships some of them have with their parents and their loneliness. So yes, yeah, that just came to mind for me. Yeah, Linda, that's also interesting because that's similar to what Brian said earlier. That's hard to measure, mm-hmm. right? How how people have relationships. Sure, we can take surveys of like, do you love Jesus? And then ha- did you have friends in high school? But it's it's hard as a as a youth worker. I was encouraged as you said that, Brian, because right, we don't always see the fruit. And when we're you know teaching the Bible week in and week out, you know, hosting monthly events for our students, summer enjoying, you know, going to summer camp and like enjoying it. And then like usually hitting a single, like, you know, summer camp goes good, but then one year it doesn't go good. You're like, what am I even doing? But Linda, that question you just asked based on his comment encourages me because even fostering a small group community among our students might do more than, you know, we can see five years from now, Mm -hmm. because maybe by, our students having a healthy view of an adult leader when they're an adult, they might have a healthy view of a student. I don't know, Linda, do you have any more thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of thoughts running through my mind. I like, I would even say like, I relate to that in, in some ways yeah. where like, you know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so there were lots of things that weren't talked about in my home. And then being in church and in youth group, I, um, you know, learned like, oh, like there are spaces in my life where I can talk about these sorts of things and where people want to know what's on my mind about these things. And that really set me up in a lot of ways for community that, and mm. vulnerability and relationships that I, I didn't have before, yeah. um, you know, but yeah, I think, you know, cause we all learn to relate based on 
how relationships work in our home, right? And so, so many people, like, like we just don't realize the assumptions we bring into relationships, but there's so much richness that the, the scriptures have to say about relationships and how we are created for relationships that I, I just think there's a lot of ways we could speak to these things and demonstrate yeah. them to students um, biblically. Yeah, I think this is helpful. And I think it's actually a good place for us. You know, one last question for you, Brian, similar to where we started. So between Matt, Linda, and I um, uh, working with students in our church, right? There, we have a lot of students coming from a lot of different families. And then we think about those who are listening to this episode of the podcast are working with a variety of students, some in Christian families, some in non-Christian families, somewhere one parent's a Christian, one's not. Like, what is one encouragement you would have for a listener of this episode right now who's saying, you know what, they're interviewing this guy who's worked on a campus for over a decade. Uh, it sounds like he's a good Bible teacher, but like, I just like, you know, similar to what Matt asked, but a little different. What's one or two just takeaways you would want to leave for youth workers to keep going in their role as youth ministers, whether they're paid or whether they're volunteering, what's one or two things you'd want to leave with them? Uh, I think uh, I would lead with uh, it. Like it really is worth it. Um, that I, I have to tell myself this that at the end of the day, um, uh, Jesus smiles upon you, and uh, like that really is like that really is worth it. Uh, and He is a King and a Savior that is worth serving, and He. When nobody else sees what you're doing, uh, Jesus sees it um, and receives it. And, uh, uh, and you know, I think one of the things that'll make glory, you know, an unending joy is somehow, and again, somehow this won't inflame our pride, but I think somehow you'll see that all this whole new heavens, new earth, and a multitude no man can, no, can number God worked through your efforts to bring that about. Uh, and it'll, I think it'll blow us away. Uh, uh, if, if we saw that right now, I think we'd be so arrogant that we'd be, you know, it'd be poisonous, but, uh, mm. so I like, it's worth it. Jesus sees it. Um, and then, uh, I think, uh, second of all, I, I would just say as a campus minister, I feel like sometimes it's easy uh, to get discouraged uh, because we judge God's work based on our little sphere or what we immediately think that is happening. And I feel like I was always telling people, man, everybody's so negative about the college campus. Uh, I see God at work quite a bit uh, and people being converted and people really loving people and following Jesus. And so feed on that like you can't control there's another ricky jones quote i can't control all the voices that come in my head i can control which voice i listen to uh and listen to jesus voice and feed on some of the good news because it actually is happening so it's it's easy to feed on discouragement man nobody has to tell me to so right that's such a those are such encouraging words thank you for thanks for sharing with us i one of the things that I that I was thinking about in this second section um, is just this one of these Christmas promises that we sometimes say, you know, leading up to Christmas from the very end of Malachi, so the last of the minor prophets, right, heading into the the intertestamental period, waiting for Jesus. 
Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, the hearts of children to their fathers. Um, and, uh, you know, as you are experiencing, you're in the middle of bridging the gap between these young kids coming out of their families' homes and heading towards college and then beyond. Um, it, it really did strike me what you were talking about with kids, you know, and how they really wanted to, it was the, some of the kids that did best were the ones that were able to connect with their parents. And so what, just one of those things that it made me remind, it reminded me of to our youth workers is that we have a, in our job description is that we need to reach out to students that don't yet know Jesus or that are outside the faith. But the other part of our job description is that we are here to help strengthen the connection that our parents and our kids have together. And that, that sometimes we forget about that. We, you know, we forget that that's a really important calling um, to, uh, to help facilitate that, that we are ministers both to the students, but also to their parents as we help them connect them together. So thank you for reminding me of that calling as we've, as we've talked about this. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And Brian, thank you for taking some time. I want to remind our listeners that in the show notes of today's episode will be links um, to different sermons that you've given um, at RUF, some that Linda has mentioned earlier. And I just encourage our listeners, something you said earlier, that if we want to become better Bible teachers, one thing to do it is to listen to good Bible teaching or good Bible preaching. And so I would just encourage our listeners to go to the show notes, click on those um, I'd also uh, want to just remind our listeners that this podcast is hosted by CPYU. That's the Center for Parent Youth Understanding at our website, which is cpyu.org. Uh, we have a lot of resources to previous episodes of this podcast, also um, to our two other podcasts that we have, one of them called um, one of them called Youth Culture Matters, and just a lot of different um, resources that can do what we're talking about here, bridging the gap between the students and the parents, hence the name of the organization's the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. So this has been episode 43, thinking about teaching uh, students today, uh, middle school and high school students today with the long view in mind, uh, knowing that they are going to grow up, but our work is not in vain, that God's word is clear, um, that he can change the lives of high school students and middle school students just like he can with adults. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll be with you next time. Thanks for listening to The Word in Youth Ministry. To learn more about CPYU and the resources mentioned on today's podcast, visit us online at cpyu.org.